We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my fabulous friend and you lovely soul. Thank you for allowing me and Journey to Center, Empower Radio, and my guest, Ezra Oka, to be part of your day today. We are feeling so honored and blessed by your presence. So are you ready to cultivate, claim, and experience your own expanded personal prosperity? If so, you're in the right place right here and right now, not with one, but two prosperity experts. Today, I'm going to have a conversation with someone who I respect, admire, and one who's done a lot of work to rewire for prosperity in her life and is now gifting us with paying forward what she has learned, what we both know to be true, and what really works in attracting abundance. We're also going to experience some prosperity exercises to help you shift your own perspective and frequency and expand in your ability to manifest in your own abundance. If you're ready to say yes and claim this for yourself. We are here with a third show with Esra Ogat. Esra is a transformational coach and yoga teacher and has helped people worldwide discover their power to live the life they choose. She helps people transform their lives so they may experience their own spiritual and financial abundance through one-on-one coaching and workshops. Esra works with individuals, celebrities, and corporations supports them in living into their potential. Ezra and her husband and business partner, Iket or Ike Ogat, have pioneered transformational coaching and co-created a sought-after coaching certification program. Ezra holds a bachelor's degree in English literature as well as a film and television certificate from UCLA. She's also a certified instructor of Kundalini Yoga. Today, we're here to talk about her book, Money Does Grow on Trees, The Myths We Create and live by. So Ezra, thank you for saying yes to a third show with me here on Journey to Center. Tammy, thank you so much for inviting me back. Each time is even more fun. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was just telling Tony, our producer, that you're one of my favorite guests. It's just oh, so much fun, so graceful, so easy. I feel like we're on the same frequency. We're talking the same language. And it's just, it's a lot of fun when you find others of like mind and like vibration. It's a nice way to play. It really is. It is a nice way to play. So Ezra, I'm really looking forward to getting into this conversation with you. Something I want to talk about, something I've learned about, but I'm willing to expand and explore and go further into my awareness, understanding and wisdom is the role of the ego. Mm. I have done a lot of work around this, trying to understand it, trying to become friends with it. Um, And I think I've done a pretty good job, but I'm looking to expand in my awareness even more about this. So you say our ego has a job and it's here to provide amnesia. It's like the veil, I think, to to prevent us from remembering too much. Would you agree with that? And can you expand on that? Uh, No, I don't agree with that. Oh, good. Tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'll I'll tell you what my kind of conditioning about ego was, because I come, you know, uh, before the coaching started in my life, before that journey started, um, you know, I was very deeply into yoga and meditation. And, you know, sure enough, in these yoga communities, there's like a lot of bad rap about 
ego. Ego just mm-hmm. gets a really bad name. Right. And so I kind of went through a journey of, you know, struggling with that and quote unquote, trying not to come from my ego. And after a while, I realized that all that got me was into this incredible game of self-judgment. That's what it just gave me. Mm-hmm. And one person who woke me up to this was this woman. I remember I met in a workshop. It wasn't a yoga workshop, but she didn't have a physical problem speaking, but she was in so much you know, self-judgment. She was stuttering all the time. And I go, I, I just went up to her and I said, you know, I can, t- I can, I'm so sorry. You know, I just have to ask, I can see that you don't have a physical problem. Why are you stuttering? <laughs> I just asked her flat out. Right. And, she's like, wow. and she said something like, well, I'm, I'm trying not to come from my ego when I talk. Hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, this ego having a bad rap really creates a relationship of self judgment with the self. Hmm. So when my mentor first introduced ego more as kind of a function and it took me a while to understand this, I was kind of blown away by the concept and his specific description is that the ego is just a function to hold any belief system we have in place so that we can get to experience it as a reality. So the way I imagine it is like as these amazing souls, we come into these bodies to, you know, have an experience of the earth and have this costume on of being, you know, a human being. Well, how are we going to experience in a way that we are the universe individualized? Yes. How are we going to experience that we create our own reality? Well, by picking up certain beliefs. And that has to be held by a mechanism within us so that it can be experienced again and again until we choose out of it. So whenever we say, oh, I decided I like coffee and I don't like tea, well, there has to be a mechanism that reminds us of that. And same with our belief systems. When you made a choice in your case about prosperity and you said, oh, you know, maybe you saw an example of someone, you know, being rich and being ugly, extremely greedy or really attached to money. Maybe that's an example you saw and you're like, oh, my God, you know, people who have money end up becoming like this. Well, that belief system has to be held by a function. What is that function? The ego. So the job of the ego is to defend and keep alive whatever belief it is that we have chosen. When we try to step outside of the box of our previous belief system, it's going to butt heads with us. And not because it's evil, but because it's super loyal to what we programmed into our system to begin with. Right. I like something you say here is the ego's job to maintain our our habitual reality, even if we're living a situation we dislike. Exactly. So let's say, you know, let's talk about relationships. There was just a very recent example of somebody I was coaching about relationships. Um, she was claiming she, you know, really wants a relationship and it hasn't happened for a long time and she can't figure out why. Well, when we got to the bottom of it, it became apparent that her belief system was this. When I'm with a man 
who I am has to go out the window. Mm-hmm. So there's this fear of losing identity because she's conditioned that, oh, when the man comes into the picture, who a woman, who she wants to be, has to go out of the window and she has to kind of act and behave according to the expectations of the man. So the ego, which is going to protect that belief system, is exactly the part of her that's not letting her get into a relationship. So it's not like she can't have a relationship, but because of the belief system, the ego is protecting her from a relationship. Right. Because of the belief system. So here's another question for you, Ezra, because I've sat with this a lot and and I've come to terms with this. It's been very helpful. We can have a good relationship with our ego. We can have healthy ego. We can love our ego, understand it, embrace it, have conversations with it and create kind of a different um, relationship with, if you will, rather than judge it, see it as our friend, have have um, that healthy, fun relationship. For me now, what I perceive my ego to be, it's about my boundaries to protect my individuality and actually protect my connection to source. And it's no longer this thing where I'm superior or inferior or competing. It's about just being relaxed and authentic and kind of discerning and aware. So how would you respond to that? Oh, I love that. I love that because ego is a protection mechanism. Right. Okay. For me, yeah, it's about boundaries now. It's just about boundaries and discernment. Completely. Like ego, ego's function is boundaries for relationships. It's also, though, the boundaries of our belief systems. Now, it's good for the ego to protect our positive belief systems that really work. It does that, too. But it also protects the more limiting ones as well, because mm-hmm. the ego is not a mechanism that makes a choice. The ego just protects. It's like the way I see it is... Um, Let's say we're a computer programmer, okay? We program, we write a program. The reality is the screen of the computer where we get to experience whatever program it is that we wrote to begin with. And the computer, the mechanical computer is the ego, is what allows for that to be held so that we can see it in the screen. Right. Okay, so I love it, this. it goes both ways. It, it's okay. a protector, whether of our boundaries, in relationships, it's a protector of who we choose to be, but it's also the protector of both our negative and positive belief systems. Yes. And I would like to consider elaborating on this in the direction of money. Something I've um, also worked with are healthy ego and boundaries around money. And you talk a lot about the importance of positive cash flow, and also spender's law. So can we bring the subject of ego into our relationship with money? Of course. Uh, I'll go with my own example. Um, Since my belief was love and money do not go together, one either picks one path or the other. And since I picked early on as a seven-year-old, thinking that there was, deciding that there was a separation, I chose the path of love. How would my ego protect me? Mm -hmm. It would protect me by making sure I don't have any money, (laughs) no matter what. So one of the ways that manifests, actually, is 
if it, it creates the situation where we become a part of the spender's law. We unconsciously spend more than we're making. Mm-hmm. It's a sabotage move, isn't it? Mm, no, it's a protection. It's a protection okay. of the belief. The okay. belief, the belief is because I believe okay. I'm not going to have love. Well, the ego is like, oh my God, I don't want you not to have love. So I'm going to make sure you don't have any money. <laughs> you see, it's protecting me. It's Got protecting it. the belief system. Okay. So it's going to like go out of its way without me kind of realizing unconsciously to get rid of money wherever it finds it, because that's what it's coded to do. That's the program. So it's going to make sure the program functions. Aha. So one way in which that happened was, you know, before I started working with my mentor, I was making about $800, you know, a month forever. Like if it got to 900, I'd be like, oh my God, you know, (laughs) and, um, you know, once things started changing for me, one of the jumps that I had, actually, I'm sorry, this was before I started with my mentor. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm mixing up the story. I made a choice at one point. I was so sick of not paying rent again. I made this like very strong being choice. And all of a sudden I manifested this crazy job that was paying me $3,500. Now that's a big jump from 800 a month to $3,500. So, Mm -hmm. you know, so you would think life changes, right? Well, not if you have the negative belief system or let's not call it negative, sorry, limiting belief system. (laughs) And not if your ego is good at protecting it and our egos are very good at protecting what we have chosen to believe. So, What happened is, although I was making triple the amount I ever made in my life, I also started spending about quadruple more than what I would usually spend just because I could. So at the end of the month, I still had trouble paying for my rent. The amount of income changed, but because my relationship, essential relationship to money didn't change, neither did my reality. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. My beautiful ego was protecting me, scared that I won't have love if I have too much money. (laughs) Interesting. So how did you reframe that? How did you rewire that and come to a different belief? Um, Well, that started after I started working with my mentor. Um, I understood the importance of since these belief systems that we've created are very much alive and have lives of their own within our system. I learned how to speak to the belief system like you would to a friend. Mm -hmm. So if I was getting uncomfortable making money or let's say uncomfortable, you know, I I also had, oh, spiritual people don't go after money kind of thing. So um, when I felt I wanted to pronounce a price that I felt was my worth, but on the other hand, there was a part of me feeling like, oh my God, it's not a spiritual thing to do. At that moment, you turn around and you talk to that program like you would talk to a friend. So talking to the ego is a very, very powerful tool. It would first acknowledge what the belief system is and then show the belief system other uh, examples. For example, for you, it would be, uh, oh, I can be very prosperous and very nice and very generous. 
So yeah. you would talk to your ego in a manner where you're, you're like, look, you know, we may have seen examples where people, you know, who had money were greedy, but we're not one of those people. No, we're right. a very nice person. We're very generous. We believe in uplifting the planet. We want to help people. And you know what we we deserve because money is all around. It's like oxygen. We can have as much as we are allowing ourselves to have. And just that kind of conversation. And I think I mentioned this before. The trick here is when you're talking to the ego, you cannot be the ego. Yes. Yes. That's very helpful um, understanding or awareness to have. Yes. Very, very helpful. So something we touched on that I think is important to expand upon, and it goes well with your story here. How important do you think it is, Ezra, to have a positive cash flow? Oh, it is the most, one of the most important pillars, I would say. And it's it's one that took me a very long time to kind of get it because I had a good excuse. Um, and I'm like, I'm making $800 a month. You know, how can I like have a positive cash flow when I can barely even pay rent? Mm -hmm. And my mentor would always say to me, she's like, Esra, unless you have positive cash flow and then until you make that decision, money is always just going to come and go. Mm -hmm. And I really resisted this. When I finally got it, I even remember the day where I said to myself, you know what? I don't care that I'm making $800 a month. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put aside $100 no matter what. And I really committed to it. Like I said, you know, I'm, if necessary, I'm not going to like eat or buy this book or whatever it is that I need to do. But this $100 is not going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, started doing that and immediately it was such a powerful decision that of course it's not the hundred dollars getting saved up that changed anything, but it was that changed relationship way of relating to my money situation that started making such a fast difference that together with gratefulness exercises, I remember took my income from $800 a month to about 12, 13, something like that, $1,000 a month within the first 12 months. Wow. And then it just skyrocketed after that point. It's one of the hardest things to kind of convince people because the ego, again, protects very powerfully and has a lot of excuses like, oh, but I have to spend my child's school and I can't like not eat and this and that. But if I can do it with $800 a month, anybody can do it with the amount of income that they have. And yes. this is an immense accelerator of prosperity. <laughs> I love that immense accelerator. Another really foundational piece of the puzzle for me, Esra, and I'd like you to elaborate on this, is the importance of just self-love. I think to me, that is the foundation that we build our lives on. And without it, we do tend to sabotage or unconsciously push away um, solutions, growth, peace, love, prosperity, and more. So can you talk a little bit about cultivating that more, mm, I don't know, kind, affectionate, loving, mm, gentle relationship with oneself as a foundation? Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I feel that, you know, when we first come to the earth, um, we're that universal energy. And I know from the near death experience I had as a one-on-one -on -one experience, we really are made of love. 
Mm. It's not just poetry. It, it really is is reality. Yeah, and we come we come through as this like open, you know, bundle of energy of incredible love. And as we experience the more contrasty earth existence, you know, through the conditionings we kind of, you know, uh, find ourselves in through certain events that happen to us, through the earth being a kind of a different vibration than that like pure soul state there is shutdowns that happen along the way. And mm -hmm. one great way to come back to that love, to come back to that self-worth is I find the inner child work. Mm, when yes. you can go back in time to a memory where let's say you felt you were dissed or whatever, your father didn't love you or your mother didn't care about you or whatever it might be to go back and to talk to that child's self, whether mm -hmm. we are three, five, six, seven, or eight, and bring her or him back to a state of, oh, you know what, you're safe. And you know mm -hmm. what, I love you. And another great exercise, I think, is when we're moving in life to once in a while stop and really deeply ask the question, who would I be being in this situation, if I was giving myself total love. Mm -hmm. I like the way that question feels. Mm -hmm. It feels like um, I definitely settle into kind of a softer, gentler mm -hmm. feeling state or way of being. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because that gives a lot of uh, immediate practical answers too. Oh, if I were giving myself love, I wouldn't be running around like a chicken with the head cut off. Mm -hmm. If I was giving myself love, I would be okay to charge this amount for what I am putting on the table because what I'm putting on the table is valuable for me. Yes. And so on and so forth. So it's and a very I think, important question. Yeah. Everything shifts when we come more from love than fear. Definitely. I mean, the fear is also, again, um, it's a part of the ego that is yes. afraid to lose whatever reality it had set up before or fear that the belief system will die. And if we can just look at the fear as just, I don't know, something cute, <laughs> you know, some function that's like just trying to do its job. Right. And not take it so seriously, it's very easy to penetrate it. Yeah, I find as I've approached my fear with compassion or a sense of um, curiosity or wonder rather than any kind of like discomfort or fear, um, it shifts, it diminishes. That dragon has become a little kind of like scared little bug. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's not a big, scary monster anymore. It's just a little frightened bug. And, you know, we end up becoming friends and it evolves into a butterfly. <laughs> it's so funny. One of the exercises we do in the certification, and we have so much fun. It's such a blast. We get people to, um, you know, become whatever their fear is. Oh. And to, like, put on a costume and you, they have to share the video and they just like, you know, make so much fun of themselves being that fear. Oh, and that could be really, fun. 
and they really have to exaggerate the hell out of it. Like it could be, oh, I'm, I'm so unworthy. <laughs> you know? And then they do like, they do this whole thing of being like totally unworthy. And the, the trick is they have to make themselves laugh if they want to pass. I can totally and- <laughs> see this in my mind's eye and I'm cracking myself up. That could be a lot of fun. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. I love that, Ezra. Okay. We only have a couple of minutes here. So I want you to be able to do a shout out, let people know where they can find you, where they can get a copy of your book, Money Does Grow on Trees, The Myths We Create and Live By, and any final words of wisdom you'd like to share with us. Ah, oh, thank you, Tammy. Um, well, the book is out for pre-sale already on Amazon. And for further information, people can find us at www.ike and esra.com that is i-k-e-a-n-d-e-s-r-a.com oh i love that and so now esra as you tune into the wisdom and intuition of your heart are there any final words that you would like to share with our beautiful friends that have hung out with us this week all is well and all ends well this is just Mm -hmm. a dream and it's worthwhile to have a dream that is so much fun I love that. You just made my heart smile really big. (laughs) (laughs) You've made me laugh. You've made me think. You've made me giggle. You've made me ponder. And uh, you've expanded um, my mind. And you you are an incredible blessing, Ezra. And I'm just so grateful you said yes to this conversation. I hope you come back and we can do this again in the future. I feel the same about you. Thank you for your open heart and your incredible soul. And just, you know, it's just such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Yes. And to our friends that have spent time with us, we want to say the same thing to you. Thank you for just uh, sharing your energetic presence with us and your open heart and your uh, magic and majesty. And may you settle into um, greater alignment deeper self-love, expanded awareness, and profound celebration of the exquisite expression of the divine that you are. So take good, gentle, loving, kind, compassionate care of yourself, and let's journey onward and upward together. God bless you. We love you. 